Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Over the past few weeks here at FBC, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, working our way through it section by section, and this morning we've come to chapter 8, verse 31, through to chapter 9, verse 37, which is bookended by Jesus' first two predictions of his coming death to his disciples. I suppose if we were better planners, we would have been in Mark 15 this morning rather than Mark 8 and 9. Or maybe if Ryan and I were just better preachers, we'd be all the way through to Mark 15 today. But I do think, actually, um, that this passage works well for Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We start off in Mark 8, 31 and 32, where it says this. He then, Jesus, began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And then in Mark 9, verses 30 to 32, it says this, They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and were afraid to ask him about it. As we come to these two sections, these two passages of Scripture, notice right away, Mark pointing out that Jesus was teaching his disciples. Mark underlines that fact for us. These weren't just passing comments. These weren't just offhand offhand remarks. Hey guys, guess what? You know, I'm going to die. Some stuff's coming. But rather, Jesus sets out to teach his disciples. And in the same way, he's teaching us today about what was coming. Jesus had to explain to his disciples what was on its way because this wasn't in any way, shape, or form what they were anticipating. This didn't resemble at all what they had been taught to expect. Remember, Peter, just a few verses before, just a little bit before this point here, has replied to Jesus. Jesus asked him, Who do you think I am? And Peter responds, saying that you're the Messiah, 
the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus accepts that title, even commends Peter for having arrived at that decision. Ryan unpacked that for us last week. But the problem is, is that even though the disciples now are starting to understand and associate Jesus as the Messiah, they have a misconception about what the Messiah is all about, what he's going to do and how he's going to go about it. They understand it far differently than God's plan. And they understand it far differently than the role that Jesus is about to play. The disciples expected Jesus to arrive with authority and power and triumph. He would bring victory over their enemies, victory into a number of aspects of their lives, and especially over the Romans that were oppressing them. So it was understandable that this is what they expected because this is what they had been taught. This is the way that they've been brought up. Anticipating, looking forward to this coming Messiah that would deliver them. Now, throughout the book of Mark, before this point here, and as well at this point here, we see Jesus has taken to referring to himself as the Son of Man. And this would have been part of their teaching. The disciples would have been familiar with this. It's generally understood and agreed that this is taken from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. There it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days, that is, God the Father, and was led into his presence. This, this Son of Man was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So as Jesus is referring to Himself as the Son of Man, the disciples are going, yep. Yeah, I understand. You're the Messiah. You're the one that is going to come with authority and power. And everyone is going to bow to you and now to us as your people, as your children. So that connected. That translated for the disciples. But all of a sudden now, at this point, things take a very sudden and unexpected turn. As Jesus introduces a concept about the Messiah that they would have never thought of or anticipated. Jesus begins to teach him that the Son of Man must suffer. Suffer. What? 
How is it that the one that's going to come with all authority and power would ever have to suffer? How would he ever have to endure any kind of pain, stress, trouble, tribulation? That doesn't make any sense. But note in verse 32, where it says that Jesus spoke plainly about this. It's undersold here. We would probably better understand that statement as boldly. He spoke boldly about this. Or frankly perhaps even emphatically. Jesus comes along and begins to speak emphatically about the fact that the Son of Man must suffer. Because this was totally foreign to any teaching that the disciples had ever received about the Son of Man, about the Messiah. This then was the clarification that Jesus was drawing to their attention. This is why he had to sit them, sit them down and begin to teach them because they needed to anticipate and begin to understand that the path of the Messiah was going to be far different than they understood, far different than they expected. The path of the Messiah was to suffer along the lines of what they would have read in Isaiah 53, what they would have remembered from their teaching from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 where it says this, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took, upon, took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was, he, nor was any deceit in his mouth. 
Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. All of a sudden, this whole idea of messiahship and triumph, of victory, is now paralleled and brought together with suffering and pain and agony and loss. And the disciples are struggling to try and make that compute. In chapter 8, verse 32, it says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Wait a second, Jesus, come with me. Dude, you haven't understood what the Messiah is all about. You You don't have this quite figured out yet yourself. Let me help you now understand. And it draws from Christ an even stronger rebuke To Peter, get behind me, Satan. In in chapter 9, verse 32, even later, we see they're still not getting it. They still haven't been able to wrap their mind around it. As they said, they don't understand what he meant. They did not understand what he meant. And they were still afraid to ask him about it. It didn't make any sense to them. Because they understood that their primary problems were political. They understood that their primary problems were cultural. They understood that their primary problems were economic. So they were looking for a political messiah. They were looking for a cultural messiah. They were looking for an economic messiah. And aren't we still too? Isn't that so often where we go as we go to God? Looking to Him to come and navigate the problems of our lives as we see them. Challenges within our families. Challenges within our finances. Challenges within our world. And so we come to God and we want Him to bring victory in those areas. Victory over these challenges, these problems that we face. But Jesus comes along and He says to His disciples and He says to you and I today, there's a far bigger problem that we have to settle first. There's a far bigger challenge that needs to be overcome 
before we work on those. We'll get to those. But first and foremost, I've come to be a spiritual Messiah. I've come to overcome a spiritual problem. Sin's penalty of death has to be paid. And there's only one that can pay it. One who is perfect and blameless. One that was willing to go in our place. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 9 that there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Jesus understood that that's what we needed. Forgiveness. And the only way that it would have come, the only way that it would be accomplished was through the shedding of his blood. The Messiah's path to victory, the Messiah's path to triumph had to come by way of pain and suffering, up to and including death on a cross. Your sin and mine meant that there had to be a Calvary. Your sin and mine meant that there had to be a cross. Your sin and mine meant that there had to be a Messiah willing to suffer in our place. The Son of Man had to suffer. Which leads us to today and the Lord's Supper where Jesus calls on us to do in remembrance of me and what I've done for you. Let's pray. Father, this morning we do this in remembrance of you. Your son given to us as a ransom paid for the debt of our sin Jesus, for your body broken on our behalf. Your blood, blood shed in our place. And we say thank you. Thank you. For the gift that can be ours through your sacrifice for the opportunity that we have now to know the Father through you, to be restored in relationship to God. After having been separated from him by our sin. God, I pray that this would be ever mindful in our hearts and minds. And that it would change the way that we live out of gratitude to you for what you've done for us. 
And I pray these things now in your precious name and for Jesus' sake alone. Amen. Of course, we know that Good Friday is not where it ends. Easter's coming. And on Sunday, we're going to look at our response to God, to Christ, for what he's done for us and what he calls us to do and what he gives us as a reminder to bear through the challenges, the pain and the suffering that we endure for the sake of the prize that lies ahead for each one that believes in him. I look forward to seeing you then. Until then, have a good, good Friday.